Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us every week, we love seeing you all live, and if you can't, well, then that's okay too. But if you want to chat with us live, uh, join us on Facebook or on YouTube, and uh, we love just interacting with, interacting with you there in the chat. So, hello and good evening if you're here with us now. Uh, let's see. You know me. My name is John Rework. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge, number 1957, in Fairfax, Virginia. So, let's move on to our next co-host, and that would be Joseph. I mean, Joe Martinez. <laughs> oh, hello. You caught me in the middle <laughs> oh, of my, uh, my skull break. Yes. <laughs> Joe Martinez. Pisces. Ooh, All right. Love Good it. to see everybody. That's me, Joe Martinez. Uh, current master of Manassa Lodge number 182 in Virginia and also member of Benjamin B. French Lodge number 15 in the District of Columbia. And... Um, some other lodges, all of which have their own unique budgets. So that's what we're going to talk Ooh, about tonight. Yes. And I love how you called yourself current master, not current worshipful master. I'm smart. Good catch. Good catch. And Who let's does? last but not least for tonight, for now, we have Robert Johnson. Hello and good evening. Well, unmute yourself, buddy. Jeez, oh, Louise. I thought, you know. God. Anyway, <laughs> that's me. Uh, listen. Past Master Waukegan 78 and current sitting secretary at Space Novum 1183 in Libertyville, Illinois, the premier Masonic education lodge in the state. And um, yeah, proprietor of all things that have Masonic inside the web address. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Love it. Awesome. Yeah, Jason sends his regards. He's feeling under the weather tonight. But the show must go on. So um, before we get into tonight's topic, definitely want to give a shout out to all the patrons who've been supporting the show. You guys are awesome. And um, if you'd like to get a little bit behind the scenes access, have a little conversation in our private Facebook group and get some cool swag, head on over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable. And we'd love to see you there. So awesome. We would. We would. Now, th this week's topic is... Uh, all about lodge budgeting, surprisingly something we haven't talked about before. And uh, with uh, a lot of different symbolism and everything we've done in, in the past, let's get to something practical, something that, uh, you know, I know Joe, Joe's going through right now, especially when you're the, the master of the lodge or the treasurer, maybe the secretary, you're going to have to worry a lot about the lodge budget. And so tonight we'll talk about why I have one. What does it do for us? You know, what is it? What is the purpose of the nonprofit status that we have? Just basically, what does a budget do for your lodge? So, um, yeah, with, without uh, further ado, RJ, why should we have a lodge budget in the first place? Well, so you don't run out of money and overspend. I mean, that, <laughs> the, the, the thing is... Good night, everybody. Right? I mean, we is, got it. We got it solved. Yeah, <laughs> done! <laughs> Let's talk about skulls now. <laughs> the... So it's, it's elementary why you should have a budget. Um, but the thing is, is like growing up in an age where maybe, uh, okay, so like as a Gen X slash millennial, I never balanced a checkbook. 
but I know how to balance a checkbook and I run my own uh, spreadsheets that have my income and show all of my outgoing funds each month. So I know how much I have left over. Like I know when bills clear so that I know how much I have before the next paycheck and how much goes here and how much goes that. It's really elementary stuff, but people just seem to take it for granted. They, they do this thing where money just gets dumped into an account. Uh, and then the expenditures come out of that account or the things that you're buying come out of that account. And nobody wants to look at uh, trends and things that the simplest effort when you're looking at a budget or the simplest uh, the simplest effort in looking at numbers could literally put millions of dollars potentially into your bank account or into your lodge funds account over the course of 30 years. I mean, um, and in, in particular today, uh, I think budgeting in a, in a large sense has become even more lucrative actually, because many grand lodges allow lodges to invest now. Uh, and so this, this all becomes really, uh, really important for the longevity of your lodge, uh, for good financial stewardship so that you don't waste all the money. Um, it's just a good idea. And I think there's a lot of things that go wrong with, with lodge budgets today. I mean, I cannot be the only person uh, who, I mean, I'm a member of several lodges and I've been on uh, lodge commissions for, that's like lodges that are basically on their last leg and Grand Lodge calls me up and they call up two other P, uh, past DDGMs and they go, hey, this lodge needs three past district deputy grandmasters to be present for their opening. You got to like get in there, figure out what's wrong, set them straight so that we don't pull the charter. I have been on several of those. And I can tell you some like the budgets are always jacked up. And I can tell you also one of the biggest things that drives me nuts is lodges that take all their funds, whether it's like, charity fund, the past masters fund, the, the, the worshipful masters discretionary fund. It's all like, it's like separated out in a ledger, but it's in one bank account. Like mm -hmm. it's just all right. dropped in the checking. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, it's separate. Well, where is it? What do you mean? It's separate, but it's all in, like all these things are just crazy. And it like, we have our treasurer for my lodge and for a lot of different lodges, right? There's always some CPA who gets stuck with the job. And if you got a CPA doing yeah. the job, it's usually fine. But right. man, it's just really important, you guys. I mean, we can't. Yeah, it's a business. Mm -hmm. But but Joe, why should we worry about that? Because like well, we're getting dues in, we pay bills every month. Like, what's the big deal? Well, let let's start there, right? Because I think that for a lot of lodge members um and this should not be the case right I, i've sat in many lodges that are not my own and i've heard different things come from the treasurer's report um so so let's spend 10 seconds on that i've been to some lodges where they basically just give you a PL, right this is how much we brought in this is how much we spent that's it you don't know how much the lodge has what their assets are you know nothing i've been to other lodges PL stands get, for 
uh, profits and loss, right? So to, to Robert's point, they're running it like a business. This is how much we brought in as income. This is how much we had as expenditure. And this is the delta. It's either in the positive or the negative, right? If we spent more than we brought in or vice versa. But um, so back to back to my point, you have lodges that you just hear the profit and the loss. That's it. So either the lodge is negative 600 that month or positive 200, right? But then you have lodges where you actually get every line item. We have $11,000 in the charity fund. We have $60,000 in this fund. We have $14 in the checking account, you know, but at least you know what you're starting with and what your expenditures are. So I would say for those lodges that they're a little bit budgeting, but at least they, you know, maybe they're not budgeting, but they know how much they have, right? So every member that comes to a meeting knows what's going on. But the vast majority of lodges the everyday member who comes to a meeting or doesn't come to a meeting has no idea what the lodge has as, as assets, as expenditures, how much their monthly bills are. So back to Robert's point, why you need a budget, it's to see if the money that we're bringing in to sustain this organization or this body is making enough to actually float or are members having to go into their own pockets to supplement that and keep the lodge afloat. So um, I know I know we spoke about this yeah, uh, I mean, beforehand. Well well, that, that brings Go up ahead. a good point because, you know, if you travel around, you'll see different lodges that can handle their budgets uh, differently depending on their needs because every lodge has unique needs. Um, and yet I've seen the case where, you know, there might be an unexpected expense. Like uh, I, I know my mother lodge, one time their 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 boiler, the furnace went up. Or the roof. Or, or the roof. You know, got, right. you know, got a big well, hole in it. Let, let's go back to the very first thing that Robert said was, you know, it's, it's very simple. It's, this is how much I bring in, how much am I spending? But if we're going to treat the operations of a Masonic lodge or a Masonic body as a business, you have to have that discretionary fund, right? So gotta have a little um, bit of padding just in case for a safer a rainy day, aside, right? Yeah. Or, you know, we're not even going to talk about really nerdy number things like amortization and things like that. We're going to not talk about that tonight, but, right. um, Realistically, you know, um, again, we have to bucket our lodges into different groups. You have groups of lodges, and I think this this is where we wanted to start the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You have your lodges that have lots of money in the bank, own a building, have a little bit of members, don't charge a lot in dues, and you know they get by on what they were endowed. Let's call it an endowment, right? Um, then you have the complete opposite of that. You have lodges that have lots of members, don't bring in that much money, but have no endowment or no money that was gifted to them 50 years ago, you know, that, that it's been sitting in a CD somewhere, right? Getting a quarter of a percent, um, you know, for 50 <laughs> years. Um, because there are lots of lodges like that. Um, so you have these two lodges, you have lodges that do have money that are less stressed out about losing their building or not being able to pay the bills. And you have lodges that either new lodges that don't own property, um, that don't bring in a lot of income, but they still want to do a bunch of stuff. Um, in this world that we call Freemasonry and don't know how to do that. So for both of those types of lodges that you have, you have to have a budget. You have to know this is what I'm going to spend and this is what I'm going to bring in. And for a lot of places, the numbers don't add up, right? No, um, not at all. Right. Yeah, I mean, that brings up a good point. I mean, because again, let, let's just pull that third even more. Lodges, we always talk about lodge has their, each lodge has their own culture, right? Which means... 
that the brethren that make up that lodge may have different activities that they're interested in and activities aren't free, right? There's going to be some cost that goes with that. There's cost for running a pancake bref- breakfast. There's cost for renting out your entire hall, right? And, and there's some lodges that own their buildings. There's some lodges that share their buildings. There's some lodges that have no buildings, right? And have to, have to rent everything. Um, and again, just, just personal anecdote, right? Um, we had the additional challenge, uh, when, the Patriot Lodge was chartered on November 11th, 2011, that we had no real estate, no building whatsoever as a brand new lodge. Uh, and good luck in Northern Virginia trying to find any real estate for under a gajillion dollars. And so um, not only did we not have a building, that means we had to actually budget for some rental of some sort, whether it's, you know, paying paying money to another lodge for the the, the service of their building or even rent a location, which we ended up doing. Um, and, and even then, just to kind of get to the punchline for, for Patriot Lodge, um, we had no initial operating costs. We didn't have capital, right? We had nothing to start with because we just got chartered. So we didn't have, you know, 50 years of, of dues that had just been kind of rolling and, and growing. We had nothing to start with. So fortunately, we had a very gracious donation from uh, a lodge in the area. And that really helped us start with some capital so that we could do the things that we wanted to. Uh, but without that, I mean, we, we would have been really penny pinching. So yeah, there's always a unique situation for every lodge. So you can't just say, well, just do what this other lodge did. It won't work. You have to do your own spreadsheet. You have to do your own budgeting to determine what you know what specifically works for the activities you want to run um the maintenance that you need to have right and the um the additional expenses that you you plan for right yes so what's what's the best scenario then because you talked about the different types of lodges well i'd argue that if, well, if you had if you sit on one of these uh, rich lodges right that have got these these huge endowments over the years and they're sitting on a couple mil in in cash you know with with uh you know 30 active members i mean that's a good place to be you probably i'm never going to say you don't need a budget but you don't need to be as on top of it as say a brand new lodge that's starting from zero disagree I knew you would. <laughs> Boom. Get him. False. <clears throat> yeah, just I so yeah. in fact, I would say uh there's probably no point for me in in thinking about this of diminishing return on the importance of of fiduciary responsibility. You know, if you have a lot of money, then it requires a lot of fiduciary responsibility, which is I mean, the fiduciary responsibility in itself is just dramatically increased because you're dealing with so much more capital. That same money, you know, uh, properly invested could run the lodge just on the dividend alone. So if you're running a lodge on a dividend, like there's a lot of lodges that do this and it's awesome because they've been collecting over the years, right? Um, it's almost kind of like the Masonic Tuntine as each member dies, they like, because like maybe reverse or something, they bequeath <laughs> a, a, a good amounts of money back to the lodge and the lodge treasury grows and grows and grows. But, um, you know, we have other lodges too, that my mother lodge, for instance, so uh, Waukegan, uh, we had a member there who was very prominent and very in control, we'll say. And whenever I would bring up things like, Hey, you know, our 
we got to increase the dues because we're basically running into the red by $15,000 a year. This is, this is crazy. Uh, not, you know, we're getting assessed by the temple board, extra money and all these things. He says, these are not planned expenses. And his response was masonry's not even going to be around. So you know what? Just blow the money. Just wow. spend it. And I'm like, no, Ugh. no, yeah. I won't just spend it because I mean, for any number of reasons, right? That that's just not a great idea. But if you have, as you pointed out, like in the beginning, when a lodge is just getting started, finances are really, they're even more stress. I think they're particularly stressful for a new lodge because you have an expense that is spread over much fewer individuals making the barrier to start a new lodge in some cases very difficult right. you don't you don't always have somebody to uh to handle that stuff but y you have to have a handle on the finances at all levels i i don't i don't see that there's a a reason to just have a coffers you know if you get 10 million dollars that you can just say hey this year uh, or for one meeting, right? The guy like buys McDonald's or something stupid for the whole lodge and then doesn't turn the receipt in because who cares? We have $2 million. That just doesn't fly right. for me. Well, I, I think that that's uh, what you were talking about. You know, lodges that have that are, are doing well, quote unquote, or are investing or do have an endowment. I think that's a really it's probably a more common situation than we would like to admit, but it's these lodges that are probably burning through more cash than they think they are, right? You know, when you're not doing any sort of budgeting or planning for an entire year, when you're not keeping track of how much your electric bill is or your gas bill is, things like that, you know, the candles that you have to buy, all the skulls that you need. Um, if you're not budgeting for those things, you may be burning through more cash than, than, is, than you think you are. And at some point, there's going to be a, a smaller dividend that's coming in, right? Because All right. You're so burning some more cash. Story time. Here we go. Um, so mm -hmm. I was the third ever uh, master of the Patriot Lodge. And again, we had just chartered a couple of years before. Um, you know, I was just worried about moving up the chairs. And then finally, what, what is tradition kind of in Northern Virginia is that we form a budget committee at the end of the master's year just to make sure all the... You know, all the monies are straight before the we close out the Masonic year and then the, the new master comes in. So I'm looking at the the spreadsheet, the budget of uh, what we spent over the past two years. Again, because we had just we had just started with a nice uh, boost in capital from the beginning. And I quickly learned that we had burned through about 40 percent of the capital in two years. So the uh, we had had some great events. Don't get me wrong. We had we had a ton of great table lodges. We had a, a ton of great um, uh, events with some of our, our um, I think we had some Scottish brethren come in from out of town. Um, and so we just had great events to get started. And yet here I was now inheriting this budget as you know, because you are now in, in Virginia, you know, uh, we have, you know, the off the. A benevolent dictatorship that um you know technically technically in virginia the worshipful master could spend every dollar on vegas money um like it was said in the chat and every dollar every dollar and that's that's within his uh discretion so i know other jurisdictions are not like that 
Uh, but just, that's why you have to be really careful about who you pick for Worshipful Master. That being said, um, here I show up and I'm thinking, crap. Okay, so we're renting our hall. That comes at a cost. Oh, and by the way, the costs are going up. We've been hemorrhaging money. And at this rate, we won't be sustainable as a lodge for the next four, you know, three or four years. So great. Now I have to suck it up and actually tighten tighten the belt you know penny pinch a little bit to get us back on track so proud to say i'm gonna pat myself on the back was able to balance the budget and kind of stop the bleed uh by the end of the end end of the year so my successor had uh you know a stable budget going forward Uh, again no hard feelings towards the the masters before they did what they needed to do uh to get the the lodge started and get it pumped up and and I'm, i'm happy for the foundation they established that being said you know, money ain't free. So that was, uh, we needed uh, to kind of just on our third year, kind of start to to taper that off and, and settle down. So that that's all again. So even though we've talked about like, you know, the different types of lodges that might be starting and might be, uh, might be flush with cash. Again, there could be these mid-year things that like, oh, you know, we just had a big hit because of COVID. So we now have less members. So now how do we adjust? You're always going to have to adjust. That's the, that's the kicker there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that a, a couple of people bringing up some awesome points on, on YouTube. Um, the, the conversation is turning into the dues bit of it. So let me bring you a personal anecdote and talk about dues. Right. So I, I am a member of a lodge that has 200 members, 200, 201. And the conversation started about, well, we need to raise dues because we need to increase how much we're bringing in because we're losing members every year. So we need to raise the dues a little bit. I said, okay, well, what's a reasonable number? How about $10? Well, no, $10 is too much. I'm like, okay, well, it's too much. It's, Can't do that. No. It's a, it's a, it's a venti drink at Starbucks. Um, but okay, let's do five bucks. How's five bucks sound? Okay. All right. Well, you know, I whipped out the calculator just to, just so they could see I wasn't making up numbers. And I said, let's raise $5 for 200 members. What do we get? A thousand dollars. What does that really get us? You know, in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to how much we spend, every year just to maintain a building and a temple and utilities a thousand dollars was a drop in the bucket you know so i said there's absolutely no point in raising dues because it does absolutely nothing to change your income in any substantial way whatsoever so um you know when we talk about dues that that's the problem i have with when you have that dues conversation i mean unless you're raising dues by a hundred percent um, to actually bring some more cash in than you're actually spending, um, you know. Well, what's and that's the point. Yeah, that's the point. It, it's not just it. It's not one or the other, right? So imagine you have a, a half inflated balloon. If you squeeze one side, the other side's going to have to grow, and vice versa. So just by saying, "Well, let's just let's just double down on dues," then but you still keep your expenses. You know, you you need to make sure that those things are as close to balanced as possible, right? It's not going to be perfect, but um, you know, you really can't treat just one side at one side of the equation as a solution. You really have to look at both sides to see. Um, oh, and the opposite's true. Like if you're trying to, if you're flush with cash, but you're not really spending it, then that might be, you know, uh, a signal to tell you, Hey, maybe we should do more. We should give more to charity. Maybe we should do more activities with the brethren. Maybe we should, uh, invest in uh, more equipment for our degrees. Maybe we should invest in cleaning up the building a little. You know, so there's mm-hmm. always these gives and takes with both 
um, expenditures, things you spend money on, and income as far as dues go, or donations and other kinds of things. And that's it. So, yeah. I mean, so that that's a good segue into, like, budgeting 101, right? Like, why, like, what is, like, if you've never done anything with numbers and you're, you're now plopped in the master seat, like, what... What should you at least know about for me? What is budgeting perspective? And I think we, we've started to dance around it. We've got the money that comes in and the money that goes out. And so we, at, at, if you do nothing else, count those, right? There's, and there's lots of ways to count it. We'll actually show you a couple examples later on. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need to track what comes in and you need to track what goes out and then see, like Robert said earlier, if there's any trends that happen there. Anything you want to elaborate on, Robert or Joe, about what is a budget, like the basic things that might be new to some people? I, I would only add that the cool thing about masonry in most places is you have these really awesome mechanisms in place that actually track the money that comes in. And also keeps track of where that money goes. You have this magical person called the secretary who keeps all the receipts, right? And knows how much is coming in and gets the mail every week. And then you have this other magical person called the treasurer. (gasps) They write it down or they run to the bank and deposit it or they open an app on their phone. It's amazing. We should totally make these guys officers. That would make it really efficient. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) So you have this magical system built in that is going to do all the hard math for you. You just have to take it all and put it in a spreadsheet. Quick question. Is there any jurisdiction you know of that does not have a treasurer or a secretary? I can't think of any. I can't think Either of formal any. or informal. So, so yeah. So, it's there. You have that system in place by your, your jurisdiction that you depend on to keep track of those things for you. Robert, anything you want to add to that? Uh, just that there's a lot of software out there also that secretaries and treasurers both have ability to get in like Mori and like Grandview and these other uh, systems that make it really easy to just log whenever you take money in or send it out. Um, and of course, I think we'll probably go over a PL later, but or now or whenever, but it's, um, there are other concepts within budgeting. I think that will assist y'all in making some decisions about where you want to spend your money. Things like, you know, zero based budgeting and, and, and other things, but you know, talk about that later. Yeah. All right. So that's actually a good segue then too, to, um, you know, we're going to show you an example live and that's the beauty of this is that, if you have no experience with this before, or you know someone who's getting ready to get into the hot seat, like then they need to at least understand some of the basics. Uh, we're going to actually have uh, a link that to a document that you can share, and um, we'll show it to you live. So what we've done is we've thrown together a Google Sheet of a basic. This is you know there's lots of ways you can you can slice and dice this, but uh, we've put together a little uh, profit and loss sheet. Uh, what it would look like to run a basic lodge budget. You don't need QuickBooks. You don't need this fancy software. Um, you don't need your Grand Lodge software. If you have access to a spreadsheet and Google Sheets is free, there's Excel, you know, we don't endorse anyone, but if you can put numbers in a table, you can start making a budget. 
So what you we definitely got endorse. You definitely endorse one over the other. So let's let's not uh, let's not play games. Hey, now. if it works and it's a click away, I'm happy. So here's an example of a um, of a profit and loss sheet. So remember, we said there's there's two things you need to worry about: um, what comes in, what comes out. And so the goal should be that when you look at the end of the day, that what comes in is equal to or greater than what goes out. Bottom line. Otherwise, you will run your money dry and then you'll have a lot of people asking, where's the money? You'll have a lot of Grand Lodge um, officers looking, looking at you to, to understand how you're going to keep your lodge solvent. So then uh, what we've done here is we've added a, uh, another tab here. And I want to thank RJ for this, this example, for putting this together. And we'll, we'll share a link to this uh, on the Facebook group uh, for the Knights and Squires uh, right after the show. So you'll have access to this. Now, here's where the fun, fun begins. Um, if you have no place to start, if you've never done a lodge budget before, start looking at where your money's going. And this is like, just literally open your eyes and look around and say, oh, we're in a building. Who knows where that bill, you know, how much the, the building costs to run heat, electricity, uh, any utilities, water, um, internet, you know, TV, whatever that is. Start, start writing those things down and find out who knows where those are. Usually the treasurer and the secretary knows where those things are. <clears throat> yeah. And I would, I would just mention too, like anything here in this um, estimate column that we've got is is like your best guess total that up it's a good idea just as a self quiz right to know uh or to guess what you think your expenses are and then it's okay. as you find them yeah you know as you find them out put in the hard number and if the number varies from month to month or over time just take an average taking the average is going to help you guys out like immensely i mean uh not like like heating and electricity are just the worst, right? Like all of a sudden you hit winter time and the gas bill goes astronomical. The electricity goes astronomical because of Christmas lights and stuff. But this is a lodge, so probably not so much the latter, right? But your gas bill is probably going to go ridiculously high because it's an entire temple. And, and some temples are on, you know, oil systems or whatever it is. Right. But you can add that all in here and really try to just average it out so that you guys can know, you know, where you are. Mm -hmm. And I tried to add like expenses in here that are kind of contemporary expenses, right? We all have websites, um, unless you just use Grand Lodge websites that are bestowed upon you that Ugh. are terrible. Um, <laughs> um, cleaning crews. Zoom thing you, have, what is the Zoom right, thing you yeah, talked about? Throw Zoom in there, postage <laughs> per capita. Like things people don't always assume are costs right. of the lodge. They don't mm -hmm. think about per capita. They don't think about dues card printing or Grand Lodge expenses. Um, when Grand Lodge bills you for the magazines or whatever it could be. And then I even threw in things like lodge subscriptions or magazines for value propositions, lodge swag. Maybe your lodge minted coins or pins every year. New t lodge um, t-shirt. Or, right. Ooh. And one of the biggest things that people always forget is the property tax. Now, as far as I know, there's no grand, there's no lodge in the United States that pays zero 
Um, it's um, it, if there is, you know, maybe there is, but like as far as I know, the jurisdictions I visited, it's always like they get a severe discount because we're a five hundred one c ten in most cases. Um, but it's not like a, it's not like you just get free. And so for us, like, um, John, if you actually go to uh, the dues tab, I just threw together. This is something I, I think y'all would help you guys visualize how you get some of your income. Right. This is a, an actual example of my mother lodge years ago. We had dues in the amount, our dues were $60. We had about 360 members and per capita was $10. So and per capita is the, is the Grand Lodge. Yeah, that's a Grand Lodge fee. It's dirt cheap, 10 bucks, right? So the total in after we pay per capita is $18,000. That's if everybody pays their dues, but they don't. Right. And you actually have, you know, life members. So you get the dividend three and a half percent on X amount of years that's been invested. And usually it's like $12 a head. So keep in mind, I'm just going to put that over here, $12. So now it, it, it's likely you're not going to be getting $18,000 in, right? You're going to get significantly less. We averaged the cost of running our lodge over five years and the average cost over five years was $21,000. So the Delta there, the difference, if that everybody just paid up. their dues. Yeah. Now think sense. about this. A good number of our 360 members were lifers. So like 40 or 50 of them. So now 40 or 50 payments of $60 are actually only like $15. That's going to decrease this $18,000 number. And then, so now we're three grand short. And when the temple board comes to us and says, hey, we need more money. Now we have to pony up another check for however many thousands of dollars. Right. So we did the math and we came up with this idea. We said, dude, it costs $69 just to break even. So we don't owe the temple. Like that would be $21,000. Like we did all the math. And so what did we do? We jumped it. We made dues 120 bucks. And it turned out to be a really stable, like way to figure this out. Um, because we took into account all the little stuff. The story here is not like, this isn't a way to set up your due structure or anything. What I wanted to convey with this example is that we didn't miss a thing. Right. right. We we looked at the percentage that we got that we get from Grand Lodge over time, about three and a half percent based on the total amount we've invested. Then they take that amount and they divide it amongst the number of life memberships we had. It was like fifteen dollars a member. Times that by how many guys we had life, take that off the top. I mean, all of a sudden you just realize you're hemorrhaging cash. So we're like, at the best case scenario, we're short three grand. Year two, we're short three grand twice plus CPI. So like the Inflation. average dollar, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three and a half percent on the year. Right. So add 210 bucks to that. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, you guys, but I mean, this is like pancake breakfast money. Well, so <laughs> yes, but let's, yeah, I mean, let's, I, let's I digress since, since you not know, I, I think that's a perfect segue into 
because I know lots of lodges are doing this. Let's talk about that whole inflation thing. And, you know, this isn't going to be a lesson on how inflation works, but let's talk about lodges that have, you know, you have lodges that have a decent, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 grand sitting in the bank, sitting in a checking account, right? And the money goes into the checking account and the money comes out of the checking account. What is that money doing over that 10 or 20 or 30 years? Guess what? It's losing value every single year. Yeah, right. And that's. So in 1980, that $30,000, looking at it today, it's worth way less than it was before, right? So a lot of lodges don't take that into account by just keeping, and I'm not telling lodges that they have to invest or this is what you need to do. We're just, you need to realize that that same little pot of money that you had 30 years ago is worth a lot less today than it was in the 1980s and 90s. So you have to factor that in as these costs are going every year because your rent is going up, your utilities are going up over 20, 30 years. But, you know, a lot of lodges are probably not as lucky as, as your lodge, Robert, that, that can pivot so quickly and say, well, we just double the dues, everybody agrees on it, and then boom, we're back in the black. That's not a realistic scenario for a lot of lodges. You know, like if you try to raise the dues by $5, there's a mutiny and people leave. Um, you know, and then we get back to the, oh, we need to rescue this lodge as opposed to just letting it die kind of thing. So you know where my opinion is on that. But, um, you know, people do really need to realize that your dollar every year is worth a tiny bit less than it was before. And that's just straight economics. That has nothing right. to do with masonry. Yeah, exactly. So you have, so basically you have to plan for that one way or the other is just don't put it in a low interest savings account and hope for the best, you know, make sure or you're accounting CD. for that. Right. CDs. They used to be the coolest thing ever, and then they aren't. See these so. nuts. So let's get back to um, the, the uh, let's see, the web, the uh, spreadsheet here. That's going on a t-shirt. <laughs> so there's uh, there's also other ways you can get revenue. So uh, Robert walked through the dues example, uh, but that's still one line item of how money comes into the lodge, right? There are donations right flat out hey uh which is exactly what happened when my mother lodge um had their furnace go up it was going to be an unexpected seven grand expense and the master says hey look i hate to ask this we haven't planned for this can, we're, can we pass the hat around and we did and surprise we all reached into our pockets the pockets were deep enough and we were able to pay for that without having to up up the dues because the brothers just said, Hey, it's the right thing to do. We all kicked in a little bit extra cash, donated more money than our dues and paid. You didn't for have a fish fry? No fresh fries were needed. No, it was no, actually no clam bakes. No clam bakes, no pancake breakfast. No pancake we, breakfast? No. Oh, yeah. Tragedy. We, that's that's not masonry, bud. But don't count on that. That's that's the catch, right? It's that you you can't expect that the brethren will always open their wallets, right? You need to budget for it as well. Okay. They will for a fish fry. Okay, you're right there. So, um, we also have bequeathments, right? Where someone unfortunately may pass away, and and you can choose to, in most jurisdictions, donate a large portion of your inheritance to the lodge for their operating expense. So that is something that, if you know of, and if you your grand lodge has a system in place to do that, by all means, right? Let's let's make sure that we. Uh, count that income as well. Uh, usually it's a one-time thing, I, unless you plan on coming back, but usually it's a one-time bequeathment. Um, and then you can see some of the other things about investments as far as dividends, life endowments, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, if you're renting your hall out, um, if you have a building where you are now letting a, um, a weddings take place, or you may have 
business owners that want to use your hall, then there may be extra sources of income for your lodge. May not, but this is this is the case for some people. That is income that goes on your bottom line that you need to keep track of. And that helps you then offset those expenses that you have later. Yep. And then even event vendors, you have you might have um you know, uh, some sort of maybe an educational conference, right? And you want to have vendors set up tables. You can charge them and have, have a little bit of money go back to the lodge. So these are all ways you can question, do that. Question, question mm-hmm. for you there, Brother John. Mm-hmm. Can you have a fish fry and an educational event at the same time and it'll double your income? I want to say something about like there's a paradox going on there where like the universe will collapse in itself if you try to combine a fish fry and an esoteric event i, I, I right. don't know if if the uh the subatomic subatomic particles of just, the universe are ready just for that. call it <laughs> call it the age of aquarius <laughs> put the educational put the, conference <laughs> at the age of aquarius annual fish fry education event uh yeah that'd be <laughs> if, if one of our listeners has that event i'm there i'm i'm, I'm there I'm already there. He's lying. He won't be there unless there's old Bay. He actually won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, after we put all that together, right, what what Robert's done nicely here is add up the this total number of what you get in minus the total number of what you get out, you, you, you're spending... Let's see, let's slide this over here a little bit there. And then that will give you the, the bottom line, the profit and loss. And then lo and behold, your, your O-poop money. <laughs> oh my God, I only $1,281. Oh, crap. Now, so this the funny part about this, right, was um, I was going through this budget as we were talking about it. And on the uh, expenses side, I was like, uh wow, this is not too bad for a large budget. Um, and then I had, then I, I forgot, I forgot about property taxes. All of a sudden I put in property taxes and I was like, oh man, now the lodge only has 1200 bucks for the year. That doesn't leave a whole lot for a rainy day fund. That doesn't leave a whole lot for, um, you know, buying that black tar heroin Folgers coffee. Everybody loves, <laughs> you know, this is like, it's, oh. It doesn't leave a lot for a lodge to to really do anything with the I mean, activities themselves, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's just think about this. Uh, if all you had was twelve hundred dollars, and you want to hold educational events and get like, let's just say you wanted to fly somebody like you know Juan Sepulveda into your lodge, um, you know that's a flight. And then maybe he yeah. stays with a brother or something, but you're not going like, to do that for a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. You can't do that for a hundred bucks a month. It's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, like, um, my current lodge, we built the, like we built the lodge around the budget. Um, and you can still do that. It's not too late to look at your lodge like that, I think. Um, but what we did was we said, what, what's the, the main thing we want to do? And the main thing, of course, was education and bring people in to do talks. And there was a cost associated with that. Um, and the first budget we had, full disclosure, Scott Duball and I looked at it and we were like, oh my God, 75% of this budget is rent. 
what are we going to do? And we had like probably for three minutes, the cold sweats, right? Like, oh my God, we just, we just wrote all this stuff down and planned this whole thing and spent all these hours doing this. And there's not going to be a way to truly fund this in a way that allows members to pay these kind of prices for education. So, you know, we really worked on it. We reimagined the budget. And now 75% of the money that we bring in goes right back into education. So it's for things like flights and hotels and honorariums. And um, it worked out. And it worked out because we communicated with our temple board. We, we worked out. We, we negotiated rent. And Libertyville Temple Corp was like so amazing when we walked in there with a number we couldn't go over and Scott and I were kind of sweating it and they we didn't even get to that number nice. they were so excited to have a new lodge occupy the building and have some rent they were they were like over the moon and and we were too so you know um, there's wiggle room in all the budgets you know just think about what you guys want to do like you should have a statement or a mission statement or something right. to drive the numbers yeah. behind you. And those knowledge. are all expenses that you need to do to account for. And the, the good news is every year you're going to do this all over again. So if you're like, Hey, you know, I want to do a new event, then have that conversation. What can I take off? What can we stop doing so I can put this new thing in? Right. What do we that's, do? We need to get more donations. That's like the foundation. Bingo. Yeah, John. That's that's the foundation of zero based budgeting. It's looking at it. your ex expenses year over year. Um, you have you've talked a lot about this actually, and I like the way you put it. So maybe I'll just I just pass it back to you to to talk about like looking at past events. Like, what did we get out of that when we tried it? You right. take it off, you just fill it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you, again, if, if you're inheriting this budget from, from the previous master, right, you can, you can now say, was this worth the expense? At the end of the day, is the lodge getting the value out of it? And you can determine what that means, right? Is it, does that mean new members? Does that mean more camaraderie? Does that mean more active members? Whatever that, that value is, yeah, you should be asking yourself for every single line item here. Not just the events for the the water bill is the lodge getting this value out of, out of this water bill uh, because you can always call up the water company and say hey can can we get a discount so um, yeah it, it's it's really about making sure that you are of course it shouldn't have to say this but here we here we are make sure that you are a good steward of your brethren's investment so that way you are providing the best Masonic experience. Uh, that your lodge can do with the resources it has, period. As a as a Gen X slash millennial, I'd really I go through phases. Sometimes I don't want to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Um, and in those instances, like those websites where it's like, hey, ask me a question or whatever, sometimes that works out. But um, my point in telling you this is sometimes it just takes picking up the phone and making like you're not a you're not a a cheap person or a frugal person. You're just being a good steward. Like it's right. okay to call up the garbage company and go, 
what can you do for me? We're a nonprofit. You know, right. maybe mm -hmm. they can dig through a drawer and pull out some dusty sheet exemption for you. Or, you know, I mean, how many times you call up a credit card company and go, what the hell is this, you know, 14% APR? Drop it to nine or, or seven or something, you know, like I, it doesn't hurt to negotiate and to ask because, um, like, yeah, when some guy passes away and bequeaths 500 grand to your lodge, you think he, you think he's really about, I mean, you would, he probably is hoping you'll make these steps, make that money last as long as possible, buy some more scholarships, bring some more people in, do the things, budget around what makes your lodge function and what its mm. purpose is. Like if it has a defined purpose and that defined purpose changes year over year, right? Like every lodge that I every know single has, year, which, which, yeah. which is a, which is a whole nother issue, right? It's, you have this moving target every single year right like very few lodges have that strategic planning right like this is what our lodge is going to do in the next 10 to 20 years it doesn't it's you have crazy esoteric dude one year and then you have fish fry guy the next year and you know you never have two consistent years of you know, very rarely do you have consistency when it comes to that so that kind of screws up the budgeting right the long-term planning as well right because there's no consistent exactly as you put there's no mission statement for most lodges right it's bring in a guy or two or three, put them through the degrees, get that dude's money in, have a fish fry, move on to the next one. You know, and I, I probably said fish fry more tonight than in the past 16 years of masonry. So it's fine. Hopefully we just didn't mention that. We didn't mention that other thing that we, we say, um, episode 96 of the Masonic round table. We did something called planning your year in the East. And I think that was a, that was a great conversation conversation that we had back then kind of talking about this idea of continuity. It's, it's a difficult thing to do, especially when you're in, um, I think Joe, I think you had a nice transition because things were building up at your lodge. It wasn't like some hard hit, hard stop, turn the car around thing. Like what happened at my lodge. Um, and I learned, a, I learned some valuable lessons. You know, people don't always, <laughs> People don't always respond well to that kind of thing. All right. So here we go. We are in the final question moment of, of the evening. And so um, the quest, the final question of the night, and I'll let you guys take a moment to think about it is, um, you know what? Just let RJ go first because he's going to steal the answer anyway. Yeah. So who cares? <laughs> he's going to take the right answer. Right? Ask your question. Ask it. <laughs> okay. Um, What is the the biggest aha moment or biggest gotcha that you've had that you want to make sure someone else does not, you know, miss uh, when they do their budget, their lodge budget that you have come across in your Masonic career? So, what are, what is the one thing that you said that uh, oh I didn't realize this before or it was uh, an eye opening thing and when you saw the budget for the first time, what was that one thing that stands out to you? that uh, you want to make sure that uh, the brethren listening uh, make sure that they don't miss out on as they're preparing their lodge budget. Robert. Let's go to Robert for his answer. Robert. Let's go to Robert. Yeah, I, I, I think I mentioned it already. And that is trying to plan for uh, the annual money that's going to come in from life endowments or endowment funds, life memberships. Um, 
accounting for that and the shortcoming because life endowments, I mean, I ran an actuary, your lodge typically doesn't make a dollar off of you until you've been dead for 10 years because of the dividend that gets dispersed doesn't even equal one year of dues for, you know, five or six years. So um, making sure that you're taking into account for that. And then also use some predictive analysis. If you have a data guy in your lodge, great. If you don't, um, hell, like send me some numbers. I'll help you. <laughs> yeah, John, John, John just got uh, excited there. Um, run a projection, run an analysis to see like how many people paid this year, how many pay people paid this year and this year and this year. Look at this, look at the fall off. Use that number to help drive your, um, like your, your guest budget, right? Like, because we don't know who's going to pay and who's not going to pay. That's, that's the problem. That's, you know, so if you can run some predictive analysis, great. If you can't, you know, try, try your best, try your best. If you like Masonic podcasts, Sunday nights, nine 30, when's game you, uh, this week, we've got, uh, brother Angel Malar on to talk about the fraternal review and, uh, the week after that, we got um, uh, area education officer Jordan Kelly coming on to talk about uh, successful lodges and kind of some tactics that you can use. So we're excited about this. And I'll see you all at Masonic Week. And if you want Ooh. to uh, send your your spreadsheets over to Robert, the spreadsheet man at gmail.com, he'll, he'll take care of that for you. He'll take care of all your lodge budgets. Really, not really. Joe, what's your answer yes. to, to the question of the night? Not what Robert said. <gasps> so yeah, no, it's different. I'm, I'm, I'm bifurcating from his message. So, uh, some some big things I learned uh, going through budgeting the last couple of years. Two things that stick out to me. One was, and I mentioned it earlier. A lot of members, depending on the lodge that you're in, don't know what the lodge has and what they don't have. So I think across the board. Members need to know what a lodge has in their coffers, in their checking accounts, in their quarter percent CDs. They need to know that stuff. So um, if your lodge has those numbers, share it with your members because it's going to inform them and it's going to set expectations. The other thing I learned was, and this is a personal pet peeve of mine, um, my lodge was spending way too much damn money on printing out trestle boards or newsletters, whatever y'all call them in your jurisdiction. Um, we were spending an absurd amount of money and I introduced some of the brothers to this magical thing called email and got us to save a couple of hundred dollars every month. But those, that was the big thing that I saw year over year. We were spending thousands of dollars printing out newsletters and having them nice and pretty and get a weird stamp on it that the, the post office gives to you. Um, but the lodge have been doing it for the last 40 years. So, um, you know, you don't always have to do it the way you did it before is, is one takeaway and find out what your lodge has. Um, I don't have anything to plug, um, other than skull mugs. Um, love y'all. Peace out. Hey, why don't you take this time to talk a little bit about Esotericon? Woo. Okay. Yeah. So I know this is unprompted. Yeah. yeah, but no worries. No worries. Esotericon is back. We're in person. It is going to be June 11th, 2022. We have one in-person ticket left uh, as of last check. So uh, there's still plenty of 
Zoom tickets and Zoom with swag tickets. So go to esotericon.net. Um, let's see really quick. We can tell you who the speakers are. We're going to have PD Newman, Jamie Paul Lamb, Robert Johnson. We're going to have Adam Goldman. We're going to have Chuck Dunning. Who am I missing? We're going to have a panel. Who am I missing? There'll be a panel discussion, and our keynote speaker will be the author of Inner Christianity and a whole bunch of other books in the name of Richard Smoley, and that's his handsome face right there. So it's going to be an absolutely awesome back-in-person get-together. Uh, it'll be in Manassas, Virginia. Uh, we're planning stuff for the whole weekend. And like I said, one more in-person ticket left. So um, do not wait because we are not putting out any more. So um, you'll see all of us there. Uh, the swag will be awesome, as it always is, and uh, it'll be cool. And there will be skulls. And love you all. Have a good week. Nice. Yeah. And when we say there's uh, there's no more tickets, like there's no more tickets because of fire code. So we we literally cannot have any more people. So I'm excited. I'll be there. I'm excited. So let's um, let's round things out. So one thing again to keep in mind as you're planning out your year, of course the. Uh, the first aha moment for me was just making sure you take a good look at what you're the master before you or the you know, couple of years before you spent. So, you know, if you are, if you need to take corrective actions one way or the other, and then a uh, secondary thing, because I'm that guy, I'd want to make sure, uh, as Robert alluded to, not everyone's going to pay their dues. So look at what your attrition rate is. Look at how many members you're losing on average per year and make sure you budget accordingly because just because you have this many members on January 1st does not mean you'll have the same number on December 31st. So just make sure you keep that in mind as you are planning your year. Otherwise, we're all smart people. Um, it's an iterative process. You're going to add, you're going to change, you're going to add, you're going to subtract. And uh, over overall, um, you're going to have an awesome lodge and I'm super excited for you to budget accordingly. So... With that, that's all I've got. I want to thank you all very much for watching. See you next week and keep searching for more light. Have a good night. Wow.